Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Let's go and open up our Bibles today to Matthew chapter number 12. Last time we were together, we went through verses 9 through 15. So let's just go ahead and read those for context. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Therefore is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and he it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, in verse 18, Behold my servant whom I love, I have chosen my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do come before you today. I ask that you bless the reading of your word. That, Father, you'd open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand the things that you have for us today. Ask, Father, that you'd meet the needs that are represented to each and every one that's listening, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in verse number 16, it says, Yet he warned them not to make him known. Again, Jesus did not want to rush the hour of the cross, as we discussed earlier, that it might be fulfilled in verse 17, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And here we see this prophecy from the book of Isaiah, um, that it might be fulfilled. Behold my servant, in whom... I am well pleased. And again, this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter number 42 that was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus himself. And this prophecy speaks to the fact that Jesus did not draw attention uh, to himself. Uh, in verse 19, it says, He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will trust. As a matter of fact, the Lord went so um, low key that when you remember when Judas led the Roman soldiers into the garden to arrest Jesus, Judas actually had to kiss our Lord to identify him to the soldiers. Uh, I believe this speaks to the fact that he was not readily identifiable. Now, some would say it was at night, but I just think um, he, he just, Jesus, the Bible says, um, I mean, he was a man that had healed, that had fed, that had preached to thousands, and yet he was unidentifiable. He needed a kiss to be pointed out. As a matter of fact, Isaiah further says, says in Isaiah 53, 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he has no form 
or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. He is despised. He is rejected by men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So we see Isaiah's prophecy in verses 17 through 21. He uh, literally had to be pointed out. He did not stand out above the rest. There was nothing about Jesus that made him stand out. He blended in again so well that he had to be pointed out. And in verse 22, then was brought on him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him inasmuch as the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and says, is not this the son of David uh, why would they ask this question they all knew that he was a descendant of David through his parents they knew the genealogy of Joseph and Mary and we've went through this study back in the beginning of, um, of our study both Joseph and Mary their genealogy went back to the kings so he was indeed a descendant of David. Now, some by this point may have begun to actually speculate, you know, I mean, could he be the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant? Uh, and again, actually, if you think about it, the Lord was the only king in the line of King David to be crowned in Jerusalem. However, the first time it was with a crown of gold, a crown of thorns. And of course, again, one day he will come with a as the king of kings and he will be wearing many crowns. And then in verse number 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Now, again, immediately the naysayers, those who were against him, said, you know, this guy's casting out devils by the prince of the devils. And they named Beelzebub. Uh, is it a reference to Satan himself or some other demon? Beelzebub was a god of the Akronites. In 2 Kings 1-2, now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper room and Samaria and was entered, injured. So he went, he sent messengers to him, go inquire of Beelzebub, or Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. So the name should actually be rendered Beelzebul, which is Armenian, Armenian, meaning the god of dung. Barnes, Albert Barnes says, by giving the name to Christ, they were pouring upon him the greatest possible abuse and, and contempt, literally calling him the god of dung or comparing him to the god of dung. In the final analysis, the religious leaders had to come up with something because they could not deny uh, the miracles that Jesus was performing. So they just attributed everything that he did to the demonic. How sad that is indeed. And then in verse 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Can you imagine knowing man's thoughts? Um, 
I wouldn't want you to know my thoughts, uh, and I certainly would not want to know yours. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided of itself cannot stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall his kingdom stand? And if Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Now, once again, we see that the Lord is forcing them to make a decision. Either accept me and my testimony or reject me and my testimony. Either the Lord was who he said he was or he was truly a liar and of the devil. He was forcing them to make a decision. You know, uh, Josh McDowell wrote that book many years ago talking about how that the Lord is, he, he is either Lord, liar, or lunatic. He's one or the other. I mean, if you believe he was who he says he was, then he was the Lord and he is your Lord. Because if you really believe that, you know, people who do not come to Christ, who do not accept him as as uh, for for salvation, they don't believe that he's Lord. They obviously either believe that he's a liar because if they truly believed him, they'd be saved or they think he's crazy. He's a lunatic. It's one or the other. Uh, that's why, you know, our, our Lord talks about how you're either for me or you or, or you're against me one or the other. Matter of fact, the Lord, he says in verse 29, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong men and then he will spoil his house. He that is not against me. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. You're either for me or you're against me. You're on that side of the line or you're on the, this side of the line. The same can be said of each of us today. We are either gathering for the Lord or we are scattering by the life that we are living. If we're gathering, we're for him. If we're scattering, we're against him. So let me ask you, are you gathering or are you scattering? Is your life gathering for the Lord or is your life scattering for the Lord? I'll be honest with you. I wish some Christians would just shut up and leave Christ out of their life in, in, in because their life is not matching their, their lip. They say that they are following him, but by their actions, they are actually scattering. They are pushing people away from the church. I think it was Siddhartha Gautama one time said, I would be a Christian until I met one. That's sad. Either we're gathering or we're scattering. And I'm going to be honest, if you're scattering, I don't think you know him. Or you're just in a very, very bad backslidden condition. And I don't believe that a true believer, a true follower of Christ can stay in that position very long without severe life and death consequences. And we'll talk about that next time because in the next verse, we're going to get into the unpardonable sin. And we're going to talk a little bit about 
what is the unpardonable sin? Can a Christian commit it? Or is it only for the unbelieving? And then we're also going to talk about the sin that leads to death. We'll talk about Thank you for listening today. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals. If I can be a service to you and your ministry, I would love to hear from you. About that next time. God bless you. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working out all things for your good.